Classic Harrison Price for Thursday, November 23rd, 2023. We're coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver, from boardrooms to holiday galas. The Wall Center can do it all. 30 unique function spaces. Call them 604 893 7370 or sales at wallcenter.com. Matt Harrison alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, hitting switches, conducting things. This show, the presentation. Of Applewood Auto Group. And at Applewood Auto Group, you've got to put your trust in the fine folks at Applewood Nissan at the Richmond Auto Mall. Get beyond the wheel of their fabulous Nissan Rogue financing from 3.99%. I mean, those are deals of five years ago, for heaven's sakes. Go take one for a test drive and find out why it is a bestseller. The Nissan Rogue at Applewood Nissan in the Richmond Auto Mall. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. After the first quarter of the season, what letter grade do you give to the Vancouver Canucks? A plus, A, A minus, or B plus? Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. And I must say, we debated which options to provide on this poll. I wanted to go A plus, A, or other. Blake and Grady outvoted me. To add an A minus and a B plus, and then if you do want to go off that grid, of course, specify and reply. Yeah, I mean they're three and four in their last seven games. They've got six losses on the season. This is not a perfect score. The LA Kings could have as few no, as but three a losses a, on the season after twenty. A is not a perfect score. A plus is the perfect score. Right. So they're just one off of a perfect score. Well, considering what people were saying about this club the beginning of the year, Blake, considering they got three guys at the top of the NHL scoring race, a goaltender who's been sensational, a patchwork defense that has punched above its weight class. Hell yeah. I mean, before this run of three and four, we were talking about how Rick Tockett has the Midas touch. Every right move. There are eight teams that have fewer losses than the Vancouver Canucks. How many have more points? How many have a better points percentage? Well, they played, they played amongst the most games in the entire league. Okay, well, how many have a better points percentage? I don't have points percentage in front of me. I will. Hold on. <laughs> Funny enough, Bruce Boudreau today on a podcast talking about yeah. how the Canucks have only beat two ga- teams over 500, and one of those teams, or the Panthers, were under 500. They're seventh they in points them. percentage. They are seventh in points percentage. They're first in goal differential at plus 29. They're seven one and one at home. They're tied for first in the league in regulation wins. They don't need no overtime or stinking shootouts. There's a lot of teams with good home records. That's not an indicator. Hey, I'm not. You're making me. Are you know? I voted. You're making a. me lambaste them, and I'm, I'm not meaning to do that. All I've, the grades are good. I voted A, and frankly, if it wasn't three losses and four, I would have gone A plus. You. Um, I'm going to go A minus. Oh, of course he's going A minus, bootlegs and B sides. What do you mean? B plus would have been that. And I was tempted, by the way. <laughs> Blake, always with the deep cuts. How is A minus a deep cut? You Stop just can't it. bring yourself to go to A. No, you I know, can't. You know you want to vote A. No, I can't. There's there's enough for it. It's the totality. Grady, where are you going? In between A minus and B plus. Oh, oh just fuck right off. Yeah. This is it. We've already We're not going into the margins of A minus and B We've plus. given a spectrum already. Like, 
Uh, vote along the spectrum. Honestly. Come on, kids these Both days. Both of you. A minus. Gobble, gobble, turkey from Jive Turkey Gobblers. Thank you, Grady. <laughs> in between. Get in out between. of here with your in between. Right. <laughs> You know what? I'm going to give this paper a 72.5%. No, I can't was, bring myself. That wasn't to even 0.5. That was 72.68. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Come on. Going to go to the second decimal point on this one. <laughs> a 5 2 loss in Denver against the Colorado Avalanche. But wow. Um, what a fun game. And fantastic to have that big game feel and theater back crackling through your television and i gotta say ray ferraro helped it immensely that's the best analyst in hockey and he just gives games like that a gravity task like as i loved him on the gold medal final for all those years with gordon miller it just almost felt like you were watching the most important hockey game ever one point when besser and manson are chirping each other in the boxes ray says quote this is great stuff honestly that applied for the whole game and what happened in the third period Kale McCarr called game. <laughs> the championship rounds and the more credentialed team, and let's face it, just a better team, one deterred. And look, the Canucks are not at Colorado's level yet. I think that's yeah. fair. But also, I think this was a very peppy test and good learning experience, if I can sound like talking. Yeah, the Canucks sure was is. pleased with the effort after the game. Yeah, he, he knows it wasn't 60 minutes, but it was a darn good 40, if not 50 minutes. I mean, when it's a 3-2 game in the third, I don't think you're terribly concerned. You're a team that can score goals. I think you got confidence you could pull something off. And I really, I thought well, they, too- I thought the middle part of the third, they played okay, actually. I did, I tweeted this out and people got on me about jinxing them, but I thought they had a goal in them. I really did. I yeah. thought there was a 3-3 goal coming. And then the final eight minutes, I didn't love. No. Um, no. That That's when McCarr and the Avalanche took over. It was 2-2 going into the third. So yeah. you were yeah. even Steven. And it was a and, messy third goal to give up. Yeah. That's avoidable. Yeah, a greasy, messy uh, third goal from uh, the bottom six. And then, and then McCarr, who, you know, I almost got the sense that McCarr had sort of heard some of the whispers about Hughes and how he's coming and all that and just decided. Uh, he knew who yeah, was coming. you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll just remind everyone. I don't think he needed whispers. He knew who was coming. Yeah, and and yeah. both guys played good. I thought Q- yeah. Quinn Hughes had his moments as well. Who uh, gets a point, stays atop the NHL scoring lead. Good that the game had a little bit of spice and fire and emotion. I think that's something else that Canucks are going to have to go through here. Let me, let me ask you this because um, – you know, there's a bunch of different reasons that have been brought up as to why they played as well as they did over the first 10 games or so, 15 games. What's happening now? Are they tired, do you think? Well, are, I, I think... Are they... So sometimes Blake, sometimes you a, play with reckless abandon right. at the start, and then you start to overthink. So what, what I would say is um, it's a star-driven team. And the bottom six has actually played better here fine. in yeah. the second... 10 games, but just not with a ton of production. That's picked up. Like the first 10 games we were talking about the bottom six with almost nil production. The production has picked up. I think the bottom six has picked up a little bit. But the fact of the matter is it's a star-driven team. Elias Pettersson hasn't been very good for, what, six, seven games here? They haven't been particularly good at even strength. They've been feasting on the power play a little bit. And it's, you know, still a, at best, league average defense and at worst, below average. 
So, you know, I think some things are catching up with them. We had talked about their PDO earlier in the season. We had talked about their goals above expected. Jay Fresh updating that, by the way. In their last seven games, they're three and four, three wins, four losses. PDO's at 958. Again, 1,000 is sort of the, the mean. So they're way below. Like 958 is a terrible mm-hmm. PDO, marking a uh, poor save percentage, poor shooting percentage. But the fact is, is is, and Jay Fresh had this earlier in the week. They are still clinical with their grade A chances, and they're still getting incredible saves against grade A chances. And the truth of the matter is, if your PDO's at nine fifty eight and you're only three and four, that's actually not that bad. Like that is that is a very bad PDO. And for mm-hmm. you to, to be knocking on the door of five hundred hockey over that bad stretch, that's not that bad actually. Hoaglander, Beauvillier, Lafferty, Garland, Joshua, they all had their moments. In fact, Beauvillier with the battlefield promotion to the second line where Phil Giuseppe is failing out, I'm afraid. It's just, Hoaglander it, scores again. He's got a four-game point streak going. PG's not failing out. He's just not really noticeable. Well, uh, you know, and I, you need I, that at that level of the lineup, that's all. Blake, we were all astonished that he was on the second line and playing as well as he did through the first handful of games. So remember, this is a 30-year-old journeyman. Yeah. He he does have a nice complimentary game to JT Miller and Brock Besser, but there's a reason why this guy was a fringe NHLer and not occupying real estate on the second line behind two, beside two terrific offensive players earlier in his career. Yeah, this is not to so denigrate I, him at all. But no, he, I, I don't mean to denigrate. When no. I say failing out... He, he, you know, much like the discussion we've had with Tyler Myers over the years, he is probably miscast yeah. as a second-line forward. That is eventually going to show up off the larger sample, and I think that's showing up. Again, his career high in games, folks, is 2017-2018 at 49. That was five, six years ago. So his career high in points, 13. 17, pardon me, mm-hmm. in his opening se- in his rookie season. So um, I, I want him to have all the success that he possibly can here for the Vancouver Canucks, for him personally. Um, but it's it's an ask to ask a 30-year-old guy who hasn't been able to stick in the league mm-hmm. to all of a sudden play top six minutes with a top scorer in the NHL mm-hmm. and and keep up the a reasonable production pace. That's a lot to ask. Yes, Incidentally, I think Di Giuseppe and Quinn Hughes are going to be uh, quite interested in the football game Saturday from Michigan and Ohio State, mm. both Michigan guys. Um, look, r- really, like uh, Elias Pettersson hasn't been Elias Pettersson here no. of late. And Patrick Johnson has a theory on what's ailing him. And I haven't heard anybody specify it before our conversation with PJ today, so you're going to want to hear this a little later in the program. They get a bit of a break, I thought, with Josh Manson getting ejected. Yeah, that was surprising for me. Yes. (laughs) And uh, the break is, well, breaks cut both ways. That was scary for a moment with Mark Friedman. And really, Friedman should not play tomorrow. Like, because that looked pretty clearly as though he did not know where he was when well, was he was the, picked it was on. The cross check to the face, and then the impact with the ice too. Right. So it was both of those things. So you know that had all the hallmarks of a concussion. 
and a brain injury. So I wouldn't think that he's playing in Seattle on Friday. And then Myers leaves towards the end of the game. They finish with four defensemen. And look, you want to talk about what's ailed them here in in losing three of the last four and after the incredible start. What's potentially on the horizon to ail them, I think, is even more concerning. Yeah, I, I mean they've they've got some adversity there for sure, uh, and I I do wonder if on a dark day like this in the on the schedule, if management is working the phones, like if ever there was a time, I mean they were already kicking the tires on improving the back end. Um, you know you've got long term injuries in Carson Soucy, you've got shorter term injuries most likely with guys like Friedman and and Myers. Um, now would be the time to pull off a trade, however you can. If you're close on anything, and I know Calgary say they're going to slow play, they're not in any rush, and it may or may not even be for one of the Calgary guys. But if you've got anything that was sort of down the road, past the halfway mark of the negotiations, if you will, like if it was anywhere near the halfway mark of the – I think you try to expedite those because you don't want to – and right now the the quote-unquote slump for the Canucks is completely palatable, it's completely understandable, and it's completely salvageable. Um, But you you don't want it to go much longer. You don't want it to get much more severe than this. You want to stem the bleeding, get the tourniquet on, and make sure that you've got Mm -hmm. the guys to help you do that. Tourniquet, great word. We've reached U.S. Thanksgiving. You know what that means. The Ken Holland rule. Yes. Well, although it's – bared out now and I was talking more about the playoff side than the Ken Holland rule. The Ken Holland rule is you know what you are, you know what you're missing. That's the time to go out and and fix things as you say, tourniquets. But from this point forward, 75% of the playoff field is set effectively. Statistically, that's been the case. So, you know, three to four changes amongst the teams that are currently on a playoff spot and those below the bar is what one out of the 16 yes uh, is what yeah. one yes out yeah. of the 16 is what one anticipates for the remaining 75% of the NHL mm-hmm. season yeah and we've talked about this what did that start do it means you can play like so there's six uh, 13 6 and 1 through these if they go 10 8 and 2 in their next 20 games mm-hmm. which doesn't sound very good guess what totally fine they could go 10 8 and 2 over the final 3 quarters of the season Mm-hmm. And that's most likely enough to make the playoffs. Yeah. And it's probably comfortably into the playoffs. So let me ask you this, and this isn't necessarily earmarked to the American Thanksgiving Day holiday or the Ken Holland roll or these percentages that we're throwing out. But is it time for Tockett to juggle things with this forward lens? Because Banco minus three last night, him and Pedersen together right now, just eh. See, as we it. talked about with Di Giuseppe. And yet some of the bottom six trios are looking so good together, you wonder... Do you want to mess with that? I, what, what do you think? I, I didn't. I don't see things, and I'm not going 100 percent um, spotlight on Kuzmenko. I don't see him doing a ton of terrible things out there. To me, it's more just that the guy in the middle is not right on that line. I think if Elias Pettersson is playing like he can, I think the efforts of Kuzmenko and, and Mikheyev are they look normal. Um, I, I think that Pedersen being off throws the whole line off. So I'm not really willing to but hang Kuzmenko it on. But Kuzmenko had a few, st- like, Kuzmenko wasn't exactly working at. Uh, no, even he, when he, he was an optimum going. level, even when PD was going, Blake. But Matt, we've, we said the whole time, even when Pedersen was leading the league in scoring by multiple points, we're like, 
okay. Like, it, it didn't feel like it. Like, he was not setting the world on fire even during that stretch. Like, it, it, this has been a really weird start to the season for a guy at the top of the league scoring race mm-hmm. who we think is playing. I, I mean, if we're doing individual grades, speaking of the poll question format, mm-hmm. Pedersen's season is B-plus for me. Like the points would you 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 would think me a crazy man for saying that based on the points, but based on actual eye test, he's B plus. Of course, what what are the advanced stats saying on Pedersen well, through the season? Well, the advanced stats for, because that for is the a little bit are um, not great. Like not what you'd expect out of this guy. Yeah, I mean, twenty eight points, sixth in league scoring, but you know he's plus one. Quinn Hughes is plus fifteen. Again, imperfect stat. But when you have a gap that large, it probably does say a little something. He's playing 19 minutes, 45 seconds per night, 17% shooting percentage. He's got a 50.46 so Corsi. He's right, Corsi. he's right on the number, basically. He's 10th best in Corsi 4 on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, amongst forwards, he's 7th. Well, okay. I mean, that's not Maybe Pedersen. I can abide. I just thought I was getting soft in my old age. Yeah, it's because I would have given him an A minus, um, even an A. I mean, guys, like here's where expected goals, different calculation. Mm-hmm. Andre Kuzmenko's fourth amongst forwards in expected goals for. You know, uh, Pedersen mm-hmm. is but, seventh. Yeah, and I hear that. And they certainly tell us something, as I always tell you, especially with goal scores. I'm more interested in what their conversion percentage is than what their opportunities are. Well, and he so had let me throw year. this at you. Put McKayev down with Miller and Besser. Not because you don't like McKayev. In fact, quite like McKayev this year. He was one of the catalysts to some of their winning earlier in the season. He's made a terrific recovery from that offseason knee surgery. Or sorry, the knee surgery. Last year's knee surgery. Mm-hmm. But he's got speed, which Besser doesn't. He's a four-checker. And then put Hoaglander with Kuzmenko and Petey. Hoaglander with Kuzmenko and Petey. Yeah, mean, and then drop Di Giuseppe to the third line or something and see see how that goes. You've lost three in a row to Seattle. Like the crack, you know, after the first season of the, uh, the Canucks basically being big brother to the expansion little little brother, the Kraken have won three in a row here against Vancouver, including one. I don't hate Last that week. suggestion. I don't no? hate it. No, I don't hate it. Oh, good. No. You hear that, Grady? He doesn't hate it. No. That suggestion. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the singular yeah. one. Glad you specified yes. so uh, abruptly. Um. <laughs> NHL dark again tonight. Twice in 72 hours, the league has just decided we're not going to play games. Canadians do love to watch the NFL today, too. Oh, I mean, we're sitting here in studio watching the Packers and Lions. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic game so far. So do they – I mean, this one is this one is far more palatable than the one on Tuesday because they're up against a juggernaut all day long. So. But, and, but, you know, here's the thing. Like, college football is a big audience, too. They're playing tomorrow in the NHL. And, of course, tomorrow there's a lot of people shopping. It's the other thing. Canadians don't watch from the Canadian perspective. No, from a Canadian perspective, they don't. But yeah. in the states, like yeah. all these American teams, want to be home. And I get it; it's an outing, right, on a day off. So I get that part of it. Incidentally, have you noticed how far and wide Black Friday has gone? Well, the fact that it's no longer on Black Friday. You mean that part? <laughs> like well, it starts no, a week no. What I, what I mean is, like, it used to be an American thing. Yeah, yeah. Now it's gone global. Yeah. 
what I what I appreciate is that it's gone. Um, well, it's no longer. They don't wait for Cyber Monday anymore. Like Cyber Monday isn't really a thing because Black Friday is online now. Black Friday sales were go. I was in Washington, yeah. Oregon, a couple of weeks ago. There was Black Friday everything sales going on already, and it reduces the um, the deaths when we don't have. Um, as much brick and mortar sales, you know, like you know, remember all the injuries from people stampeding right. towards the VCRs, stampeding towards, and you know, making sure they get that toy for the child who needs it for Christmas. Well, right? the twenty nine dollar VCR that was going to last you eight weeks anyway, uh, that was the one that I really loved. You know, how many years ago are we talking? Oh, decades. Yeah, this thing's been it's been going on for a while. Do you ever know if? Did you know anyone who was on beta? Yeah, I had one friend. Yeah, on beta. we yeah. had one friend on beta too. Yeah. If it, you know what it feels like, feels like 4K TV is a bit of a bit beta. Like, do do people like really mm. go out and seek the 4K resolution know. television? I don't know. Like all HD TVs are That's pretty a good. Question for our folks at uh, Best Buy. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't feel like it's taken off. Did you see the crowd for the Alouettes Great Cup Parade yesterday? Pretty good. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. And you know all the bravado, and of course some of it, I'm sure. Encouraged by uh, liquids from Marc Antoine DeCroix, Cody Fajardo. That was a terrific crowd. Like I, for a Grey Cup celebration. I wonder if it feeds unprecedented interest from La Belle Provence uh, in the uh, Vanier Cup. Uh, uh, well, and the city of Montreal is looking to be just the second city all time to win the Grey Cup and the Vanier Cup in the same year. 1980, the Eskimos won the Grey Cup, and the University of Alberta won the Vanier Cup. Sorry, this is this would be the second time ever. ever. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that Grey Cup and Vanier Cup would reside in the same city. So, of course, we're pulling for the UBC Thunderbirds and head coach Blake Nail and those two fine offensive tackles, Giovanni Manu, Theo Benedet, both whom both of whom have drawn NFL interest. Already, Montreal's quarterback is up for the Heck Creighton Award, which we saw this again with the Alouettes not really being a big factor at the CFL Awards. Winnipeg bringing home a lot of hardware. It tends to motivate the team that isn't collecting the hardware. So we'll see if Coach Neal can get the bit between their teeth here on Saturday from Richardson Stadium in Kingston, Ontario, the home of Queen's University. Of course, the last time the uh, Thunderbirds won, it was uh, Michael O'Connor, the quarterback. That's who right. Would go on to be yeah. a professional and with the Lions, bringing it home. So best of luck to the Thunderbirds. And uh, I hope they have a pretty good party. If they do win, I hope there's a heck of a party at UBC mm-hmm. over the course of the weekend and to welcome the team back home. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta Greta. Fantastic spot to Watch all the games throughout the season. The playoffs, place to chill in the off season. We will talk to Jay Pat today. Now, usually Fridays with Jay Pat, but we got a game tomorrow, so we flipped him and Rob Williams. Jeff tackles the game. PDG Niels Hoaglander gives us the letter grade. Brock Besser speculates on defense going forward, particularly if you've got injuries to Friedman and Myers that are going to keep them out tomorrow or any length of time. We'll get to some hashtags, the best, the worst of Twitter, including Super Pigs. Don't want to miss that. 
Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media is a former teacher, and my God, is he harsh. You do not want to be in his class when he's handing out grades. Meter stick on the desk, oh. kind of harsh. To wake you up. Talk about Elias Pettersson in the injury. As mentioned, Tyler Myers, who in the bottom six is upward mobility. The uh, chemistry and working relationship between Rick Tockett and Adam Foote. Interesting stuff there. And he tells a great Asatikinen story. Welcome out here in a second. But we should mention as well, the new Blackout Collection for Nation Gear has officially launched. So if you ever wanted to have some Canucks Army gear, now get the coolest Canucks Army gear that you can possibly imagine. Unleash the darkness. All new styles of the exclusive line, only available for a limited time. So get the perfect gift for your favorite fan. Order before December 10th so you can put your presents under the tree, of course. Plus, if you spend 200 bucks, you qualify for free shipping. Go to CanucksArmy.com and buy your new Nation Gear Blackout Collection. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be... Was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. The Canucks have lost three or four, and it's time to shuffle the forward lines, as we talked about prior to the season. Line stability often equates to team stability. And through a 13-6-1 start, their, their forward trios have stayed pretty much intact. The changes have been born of injury, most recently to Pew Suter. But head coach Rick Tockett moved Anthony Beauvillier to the second line with JT Miller and Brock Besser Wednesday in a 5-2 loss to the Avalanche. Phil Giuseppe, the darling of the first 10 games, found himself demoted after just two points in his last seven games. It may well be that the 30-year-old journeyman has run his course as a top six forward. He hasn't been that in the past, and even with late bloomer rationale, it's probably too much to ask him to masquerade as such over 82 regular season games. Conversely, Anthony Beauvillier may have some upward mobility given his recent play, not that it's translated into production. No, that would be Niels Hoaglander, who scored in Colorado and has points in four straight games. We wondered a couple of weeks back if he was done being a healthy scratch. That proved premature, but the feisty Swede has applied the benching lessons and has played better since. It's time Hoaglander gets some opportunity with better players. Why not try him with Elias Patterson and Andre Kuzmenko? See if, he can get, see if he can get them going. And move Ilya Mikheyev to Miller's line, not because he deserves a demotion, more because you need a better alternative to Di Giuseppe. That still gives Miller and Besser a speedy winger who can get in on the forecheck. It takes the pressure off PDG to produce. Signs them a more appropriate role in the bottom six. That's Welcome Matt for today. Invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at scarcemprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great, Clip, Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sikaris, at Sikarison Price. And the Welcome Matt, a presentation of great clips, 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, all of them proudly Canadian-owned and operated. Sikaris Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia in Surrey, the 
love you to jump behind the car of the vehicle that doesn't require you to stop and pay for gas. How, how does that strike you, folks? Well, go to Apple Key in Surrey and say, I'd like to test drive the Nero. Matt and Blake told me to test drive the Nero. They've got EVs in stock. Take one for a test drive. Rates from 6.49% and join the electric revolution. At Applewood, Kia, in Surrey, it's all good at Applewood. And you got one more week to drop off a new unwrapped toy at any Applewood dealership in part of the, as part of the Toy Mountain campaign. Poll question today. After the first quarter of the season, what letter grade do you give the Vancouver Canucks? A plus, A, A minus, B plus. Reply with other if you're so inclined. Vote at Secure Some Price. On Twitter and YouTube, here he is, Rankwide's Jeff Patterson, our Canucks reporter, fresh off, covering the game in Denver last night, a 5-2 Canucks loss. Jeff, how are we? Uh, I'm all right. The Canucks taking on a little water for the first time this season, but uh, still a heck of a hockey game. Like, I really enjoyed the first period. I thought was terrific back and forth, trading chances. Second period got bogged down with some penalties. And then, uh, much as it was on Saturday against Seattle, and really even if you go back last week, the Calgary game, remember they were close late in the second period in Calgary, and this team that has been able to summon offense all season long right now is struggling to find that next goal. I mean, it was a 2-2 tie after two against Seattle on Saturday. They end up losing that one to the Kraken on home ice, and there last night, 2-2 going to the third. They're very much in it, and then they give up the early one in the third period, and uh, that started, pun intended, uh, the snowball uh, coming down the hill on the Vancouver Canucks, and they lose 5-2. to two. So, you know, one win in four, no panic here, especially with the, all the equity that they had built up earlier in the season. But this is officially now, I think, their first slump of the season. Texting with Blake last night, and I know you guys covered in Rinkwide, but it was just great having that big game feel back, that crackle, that energy, the pace of the game, superstars everywhere you looked. I was at my Ferraro on the broadcast, bringing the the level up. I was at my daughter's game, and multiple dads had the ear, earbuds yeah. in, and they like they were watching their kids, but also watching the Canucks. They I didn't mean, want to miss this. Just one. fun stuff, and uh, of course, a litmus test in the West, Colorado, one of the best. Uh, Colorado and Vegas, right? Like that's that's who you're going to have to get over in, in the West yeah. here over the next few years. So I love just the elements and the stage and the theater. That we got yeah, to experience. And, and to that point, Matt, and, and I had sort of my first inkling of that was the home game against Dallas, a Saturday night, mm-hmm. 10 games in, they were both coming into the game with big time records. And there was that buzz in the building. And I thought it then, and I thought it again last night, like just imagine that that was the first of six or seven straight against the same opponent. And you're starting to build those storylines that create themselves come playoff time. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but I have allowed my, my mind to wander on a couple of nights already this season. And I can sit here and tell you with certainty that that's not a place my mind has gone to the last couple of years, because even when they've had good opponents on the schedule, the Canucks were so far out of it that it, it had you know, forget dare to dream. I mean, it was just another night where, okay, good teams coming into, I'll watch the other team and see what they do. But now the Canucks able to hold their own and yeah, measuring stick. And sure, they came up a little bit short, but there were still elements of their game to like in the way that they pushed back against the Colorado Avalanche, especially when they were down two to one after the first period. Honestly, the game reached deep into my memory banks and brought back that feeling of intensity yeah. uh, for hockey games that has been too often lacking. That can continue on Friday, Canucks. though, guys. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a big game on Friday for them to make sure that the Seattle Kraken don't get too close to them in the standings. And 
Uh, we know what the record is. So, you know, they're not alongside the Canucks in terms of the standings right now. But in terms of where they ultimately might be, they could be alongside. I don't think you can afford to give two games to the Kraken this early in the season here, Jeff. No, and it's a three-game season series. The Kraken have had their one and only visit to Vancouver. And so we talked about this earlier with Edmonton, that the Canucks won the season series again. Now, is it going to matter at the end of the season? No, but you want the tiebreakers in your back pocket. And if the Kraken win in regulation on Friday, they will be 2-0 against the Canucks. And therefore, they will have won the season series in the early going. So just keep that in mind. I mean, I don't think that that's going to be the ultimate motivation for the Vancouver Canucks. I think it's getting back to doing some of the things that they have done well earlier in the season. And one of those is the power play. And... You know, again, we talked about it on rink wide. The movements there, the puck movements there, but not many shots last night, just four shots on goal in five and a half minutes of power play time. And for the first time this season, the Canucks have been skunked on the power play in three straight games. So again, not reason for alarm, but I think this sort of broadens the conversation and it goes hand in hand with where's Elias Pettersson gone over these last really seven games. And he has four points in the seven games. Uh, just the one goal, the power play goal in Calgary last week. So he hasn't scored a five-on-five five goal since the November 4th game against the Dallas Stars that I mentioned. Uh, that was 10 games ago. That's uh, a bit of a concerning trend there. And it's one thing if your Stars don't score. Like, this guy had 19 points in the first 10 games of the season, and we were pumping him up for just about every uh, individual award that was out there. But the 10-game split... He had 19 points in the first 10 and just nine in the most recent 10 games. So he's not far off a point a game, but this is the thing. When we talk about Elias Pettersson and his 200-foot game and being in the Selkie conversation, guys, in the last seven games, the Canucks have been outscored 8-2 to two with Elias Pettersson on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five. So weird. Yeah, and he blocked that shot in the first period and was shaking his left leg. And, of course, we all think he might be playing through something already. So It wasn't, um, wasn't taking the face-offs. No. So it was, it was a, it's been weird. And then there's defense, Jeff, where they end the game with four defensemen. And today, a uh, travel day and, and team day off. So we probably won't get word or at least a confirmation until tomorrow from the Vancouver Canucks. How concerned would you be with the... They're running out of defensemen again. This is an old trope, huh? Of yeah. Canucks lore. Yeah, it's getting a little bit thin there. Uh, uh, they've got Akita Hirose as an extra body, but it's been a tough couple of weeks for Tyler Myers. Remember, he got hurt in the same game on the same shift as Carson Soucy. Now, Soucy's injury has proven to be far more serious, but there was questions about Tyler Myers. He was given a maintenance day, the first practice back off the road after that game in Montreal, so he was a little banged up then, but he has played, and he's played every game for the Canucks, so... We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, he was shaken up. And certainly Mark Friedman, was a little frightening. Like, when he went down, he went down hard there. And for a moment or two, even on the broadcast, they they wondered if he was out cold. Uh, he was able to get to his knees and then ultimately uh, help himself off the ice. But he didn't return. And you do wonder if he's going to be available to the Vancouver Canucks on Friday in Seattle. Now, geography comes into this because uh, the Canucks are heading back uh, to the Pacific Northwest. And... The Abbotsford Canucks, they're in Calgary for the weekend, but they probably haven't left yet. So I would think that if the Canucks have to put a call into the farm, that uh, it would just be a little cross-border shopping here on this uh, U.S. Thanksgiving weekend, and they could get some guys down to Seattle. But it's a question of who, because uh, when Akito Hiroshi was recalled last week, uh, Rick Tockett talked about the fact that it was really a 50-50 thing with him and Christian Willannon, but Willannon's been playing through a nagging injury in the minors, and I think they wanted to get Christian Willannon up, so I'm not sure where he is in terms of full health. And obviously, Friedman and Myers are both the right shot guys, and so that uh, begs the question, like, would Jet Wu finally get his call to the 
to the big time. Uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But yeah, I think uh, already a little bit thin on the back end and, and now maybe more so. So we're curious to see what we can glean out of what I would imagine would be a full morning skate at Climate Pledge on Friday. What did you see as the reason for the fade in the third period? What, what, what ultimately led this to be a 40-minute game and not a 60-minute game for the Canucks? I thought Colorado really pounced on the Canucks right out of the gate. The Frederick Olsen had an incredible chance in the first minute of the third, didn't score. And then moments later, uh, they get the goal that uh, still belongs to Riley Tufty, whether he actually touched the puck or not, who knows, but uh, it went, got past Thatcher Demko. Uh, you know, I think there's a couple of things. One is Colorado looked like they amped it up a little bit and, and the Canucks maybe weren't ready or able to respond at that level. Um, the other thing is, and I think it goes back to this idea that, you know, in the first, what, 15 games, it just felt like if the Canucks needed a goal, they were able to get it. And right now, uh, that's gone a little bit quiet for them. They, they still have incredible talent. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that this is any signal that the offense has dried up for the Vancouver Canucks. But again, when you look at, you know, Brock Besser, eight goals in the first 10 games, five in the most recent 10 game stretch. And I think we all thought that there would be some coming back down to earth for a guy like Brock Besser. We've talked about Elias Pettersson. You know, there, there's this handful of players that have just gone quiet offensively, whether it's Garland, whether it's Joshua, whether it's Anthony Beauvillier. Like right now, it's JT Miller and Nils Hoaglander and a pretty heavy dose of Quinn Hughes. Those are your three goal scorers for the Vancouver Canucks. Otherwise, in the last seven games, uh, it has been a struggle. So I, I think, you know, as simple as Riley Tufty gets a depth goal for the Colorado Avalanche and the Canucks, they got their depth goal in the first period, uh, but they just couldn't summon, you know, enough offense to get that next one to get back on even terms. Of course, uh, well, Lannon would require waivers. So if you're bringing up Will Lannon, it's probably for a longer term injury, right? You you not you wouldn't bring him up just to get through a game sort of thing to send him unless you were back you, down. You qualify for the emergency call up where you ah, don't have okay. to don't have to do uh, that. There's well, no, word. but Carson Susie is out long term, and and Tuckett said it was 50-50 right. between those two, and Will Lannon wasn't a bit like I think Will Lannon would have been here if he mm. had been fully healthy. Right. Instead, they bring a keto, but they can send Hiroshi back without waivers. And That's Christian Willanda right. could be here for a, a longer run. And of course, uh, you know, Mick Ward made it to the final cuts with the Canucks. Yep. So maybe he's uh, an option there as well. You mentioned Besser, the one assist in four games. I do wonder with the, if the, uh, and Ray was terrific between the penalty boxes last night, letting us know about the conversation that was going on. I wonder if that's a good thing for Besser. Do you have a little fire in his belly here going forward after an emotional game? Because he doesn't tend to get into many emotional situations on ice, but it was great to see him fired up. I do wonder whether that helps reignite him here a little bit. Yeah, look, I, I, I thought Josh Manson deserved a penalty, but not a five-minute penalty, but uh, the call was the call, and they reviewed it and, and whatever. Um, but it was funny because uh, when Besser was finished with his penalties, his next shift out, there were actually some boos from the crowd. And I was thinking to myself, I don't think Brock Besser has ever been the villain in the National Hockey League. Like, <laughs> ever. Um, well, for what reason, yeah. Yeah, I mean, likable <laughs> for Canuck fans, but I think he's likable around the National Hockey League. And so, yeah, a little bit of a different role for him. Hey, whatever it takes. Uh, yeah, you know, JT Miller is scoring at an incredible clip right now. Besser has trailed off a little. And obviously, the other member of that line has sort of fallen off the map and fallen off that line now in PDG. And we saw Anthony Bovillier again get uh, bumped up uh, from time to time. And I wonder if it is time now to start a game with a bit of a different look there. So that was uh, going to be my question to you, Jeff. Is it Bovillier time? Is 
PDG worn out his second line uh, utility, at least right now? I'd say yes to the second part. I wonder if a guy like Niels Hoaglander deserves yeah. the promotion as well with the way that he's playing and battling and ultimately producing. You know, it's funny, though, because uh, who would have thought that you would say, well, you don't want to break up maybe the most effective line that they've got right now, and that is Lafferty with Hoaglander and Beauvillier, and they were terrific opening the scoring with the work that they did on the forecheck and the, the board battles and ultimately getting the puck to the front of the net. You know, and it's funny because Anthony Beauvillier, and I've got a piece coming out at Canucks Army here today. I had a good chat with him on Tuesday before they left on the road trip got two goals in 20 games and they both came in the one game against san jose not enough not in nobody's world and and he admits it i mean two goals 20 games in for a guy making four plus but if you scratch a little deeper on that line like that line has outscored opponents seven to one at even strength like they are spending very little time defending and they are producing most of it's hoaglander but lafferty uh, has had his moments as well but for a guy like Bovillier, like the underlying numbers are pretty solid. He took his second penalty of the season last night, so he hasn't hurt the hockey club in that regard. I do think that Anthony Bovillier is doing a number of decent things, and this is a new role for him. I mean, he's always been a, a top six guy, and so he's adapting to playing less and, and playing in different roles. But I, I think he is starting to play a little bit better here. And so, may, you know, in-game, he's been the guy that gets the promotion. But I do wonder, on balance, if you're replacing – Phil Giuseppe, whose calling card is hard work and forecheck, like could Niels Hoaglander slot right in there with Brock Besser and JT Miller. Different weight profiles, obviously. Like I do love the size of PDG, but Hoaglander plays a little bit bigger and heavier than his uh, tail of the tape. So well, perhaps I, that could work. I asked you gentlemen a couple of weeks ago, is Hoaglander done with being a healthy scratch in the NHL? I ask again, guys, are, are, are we now looking at an NHL regular because he 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 was the healthy scratch there was it in toronto jeff or montreal, uh, montreal when montreal. came back yeah and um he's been terrific since like message sent message received you never say never because you never know when a coach just says uh, that was a terrible game and you want to patrick lion um but okay uh, but outside of that and, for the and most look, part I, yeah i don't necessarily think he's talkett's favorite profile of player like i think he's had to win over the head coach a little bit jeff but you know, you tell me, is it onwards and upwards for Hoaglander from here? I'd like to think so. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy that has been a healthy scratch twice, so he's only played 18 of the games uh, for this team, and he's got six goals. Like, you know, and again, if others are struggling, uh, right now he is being effective, but he's also got a bottom line element to all of this. That said, 20 games into the season, guys, they've had one night where both Pia Suter and Teddy Bluger have been in the lineup, and that was that game in Montreal. And, yeah, and after crazy. that... Uh, and the suitor, like he's not on this road trip. And so it's going to be at least seven games for him. And it's still a mystery ailment. Uh, but at some point he's coming back and then the coaches are going to have tough decisions because I just mentioned Bovillier, who's doing a lot of decent things, but not putting pucks in the net. You know, I'm not sure he's out of the woods entirely. And I, I think a week ago, it felt like Bovillier maybe was trending to be, you know, the message sending healthy scratch of a $4 million guy, uh, Garland and Joshua, you know, they're not scoring, but I, I think they're noticeable and they're doing some things. And Joshua had his night in San Jose where he was a scratch and he's responded and, and has been physical and, and has been pretty effective. So, you know, those are good decisions for coaches. Obviously, they want to get healthy first and foremost so that they have to make those decisions. But I can't sit here and tell you entirely. And to Blake's point, I think, you know, Hoaglander sort of invited the healthy scratch in Montreal with a poor performance in Toronto. And so it could be as simple as what have you done for me lately? And we'll see where it goes. But I do like what I'm seeing from 
Nils Hoaglander in the here and now. And really, again, you know, it's been choppy for him in his NHL career. And he got sent down last year and he's played for three head coaches and another one down on the farm. And so there's just been a lot of voices around Nils Hoaglander. But, you know, through it all for a mid-second round pick in that 2019 draft, he's still top 10 of his draft class in games played and goal scored. And I think he's 12th in points produced. Like, you know, there have been some moments where it's frustrating for fans and coaches but really, when you think of what he's doing and on the contract that he's on, I mean, this guy's providing value for the Vancouver Canucks as long for as sure. he can stay in the lineup. Poll question. What letter grade do you give the Vancouver Canucks a quarter of the way through the season? I think you go A-. minus. I mean, limping a little to the 20-game mark, but still so much to like individually and collectively. And when you think of where they were at the 20-game mark last season with a record of 7-10-3, and three, it's essentially a, a mirror image. Uh, you know, they've exceeded everybody's expectations. And certainly I had them as a team that was going to be better than last year and one that I thought was going to be in playoff contention. I think my ultimate prediction was they were going to fall just short. Well, here they are, you know, with a cushion above the playoff bar, U.S. Thanksgiving. I mean, they absolutely have put themselves in position to end the playoff drought. There's a lot of work still ahead of them. But I think from management, bringing in players like Lafferty and Casey DeSmith and even Mark Friedman, I mean, their most recent deals have all stepped in and helped this hockey club. I think the coaching staff has pushed just about every right button. And then the players themselves, uh, the leadership group, the supporting cast, uh, you know, it's hard to find much fault with this group. So, you know, at the outset of the season, if you had asked me, hey, you know, at the 20 game mark, I'm telling you right now, you're going to give them an A. Like, I would not have believed you. I just, I wouldn't have. I, I just, I, I wasn't sure how we we're going to get from the, here to there, but Having watched this team night in, night out, and been around them every step of the way, like, yeah, I think they've earned uh, an A minus, and that leaves them a little bit of room yeah. for improvement uh, over the long haul here the rest of the season. Great stuff, Jeff. Um, we'll be listening to Rinkwide tomorrow mm -hmm. and through the weekend. Were you just giving him a thumbs up? I was. I was giving him a thumbs up. Ah, Much yes. appreciated. Okay. Yeah. Well, always done. good to get a thumbs up. Well, there you go. The Blake seal of approval. <laughs> Secure some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group hashtags is the best and worst of Twitter.com. X, the app formerly known as Twitter, where we're keeping the bird logo alive with the chirps between tweets. Well, he's going to sell it soon. The oh, new is that people, what he's saying? No, no. After I, this I just, week, I think people are asking to sell it now. I mean, the thing's worth like nothing right now. So, You'll, what did he pay? 50, $44 50? Billion. Okay. So, he's going to sell it soon. Somebody's going to take it over. They're going to call it Twitter again. Really? Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Do you see he had another rocket explode? Mm. Along with all the Teslas. Mm -hmm. He's a genius, though. <laughs> a lot of things seem to explode on his watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally, including controversy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, am I starting? Okay. Oh, uh, I can start. I oh, can start. Okay. I want. I want to start with this. This is this is unbelievable stuff. I mean, He's if proud he, of his hashtags. If you didn't check it out, the implosion of the Edmonton Oilers just oh continues. Four nothing start to the game yesterday in the first period. 
for the Carolina Hurricanes. It's 4 nothing in the blink of an eye. 5-1 at one point, finishes 6-3. to They took six off the board, and then they still got back to six. Smash cut early in the game to the bench. Where Do you remember when, when Trump first got arraigned and he had to go in for the mugshot and people were calling it the Kubrick? Because there's a, a, a common thing from Stanley Kubrick's movies where the villain or the anti-hero looks into the camera, and it's most well done by Jack Nicholson in um, the, Shining. the Shining, where you look sort of t- head tilted forward and you look through your brow a little bit in an evil way. Trump did it in his uh, mugshot. Hmm. Unbeknownst to McDavid, I'm sure that he was doing it. He did a picture-perfect Kubrick stare on the bench and unfortunately uh, caught quite explicitly by the cameras as he stewed on the events of the evening versus the Carolina Hurricanes. And so it is getting memed up the yin-yang. Alex Doherty, Connor McDavid is about to start chasing Shelley Duvall around the Overlook Hotel with an axe. And it just perfectly exemplifies the feeling around the Edmonton Oilers right now. Did you see their warm-up? No. Puck ricochets off the crossbar, hits Darnell Nurse in the face. Oh, God. And then Stuart Skinner, going through his exercises and drills, loses his balance and starts spinning into the Carolina end. And Carolina players like Svechnikov's looking at him like, what are you doing here? Get a hold of yourself, man. Incidentally, Kubrick. Yeah. Have you ever seen Eyes Wide Shut? Cruise? I think I started it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I finished it. Really creepy film. Stayed with me. Clockwork stayed with me. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm not mistaken, Elliot Gould is in it as well. Elliot Gould is in Eyes Wide Shut about like massive group sex orgies. Right. I don't want to see Elliot oh, Gould doing that. No, I could be yeah. getting that wrong. Yeah, I'm looking I would at hope the so. cast right I don't now. want to see Elliot Gould doing that. Mm. Sydney Pollock. <laughs> Put me on ease and nose for Gould. <laughs> Ross's dad couldn't possibly no, be in No. Eyes wide shut. All right. At Three Down Nation, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers pending 2024 free agent list. You will not hear Rick Campbell or Neil McAvoy of the BC Lions say this this offseason because they're all about improving their team. And they're not necessarily going to go out and comment on the uh, travails of others. But if you are looking for a route for the Leos to topple the Bombers in the West, take a look at the Winnipeg free agent list. Now, look, we've seen these jumbo free agent lists in the CFL in the past. For some reason, a lot of players and clubs now want to go on one-year deals. So I suspect a good number of these guys are going to resign. And the quarterback, Caleros, is under contract. But Brady Oliveira, free agent. Three-fifths of the wide receiver core, free agents. Four-fifths of the offensive line, free agents. The entire starting defensive line, including Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, the fine defensive ends, free agents. Three-fifths of the secondary, free agents, as is the kick returner, Grant. So, if some of those guys matriculate out of the Bombers program, and who knows, perhaps some may matriculate here to the West Coast in the BC Lions, you may well have a scenario where BC, just on talent or on bled talent from Winnipeg, 
is able to get over the hump. Yeah, I mean, they have to find a way. And if you if you can steal from the Bombers, I mean, my goodness. Well, and some of these guys are going to demand huge coin by CFL. Like, Oliveira is in line to ask for a lot of money. Jefferson and Jeffcoat have already been paid big money, and I suspect are going to want more. Now, Oliveira leaving his hometown. Canadian offensive yeah. linemen typically cost you something. Um, so... Shown Walatarski, Bailey, all free agents in the receiving course. So it's a big list. I mean, if you can find some line help for sure. I mean, the receiving core here is so good anyway. Yeah. I don't really need help there. But well, yeah. Hardrick used to be here, uh, the offensive tackle. So you wonder about that, although they're pretty good there. I think it's the Canadian offensive lineman, I think, that the Lions have to yeah. focus on here. At Nate Ryan Sports uh, out of San Antonio, wow. Spurs head coach Greg Popovich just grabbed the arena microphone with Kawhi Leonard at the free throw line and asked the crowd to stop booing. Fans have been booing Leonard, who asked to be traded from San Antonio, on every touch. Not sure that I'm sure that I've seen that in an NBA game. Here's what it sounded like on the broadcast. And Kawhi with eight points tonight, three of five from the floor. It is only three. Excuse me for a second. Pops on the mic. Stop all the booing. Let these guys play. It's got old class. It's not who we are. Knock off the booing. Pop telling the fans to lay off Kawhi Leonard, but that's not San Antonio. Uh, I think the announcer there is right. It's courtesy of Valley Sports. I can understand why Popovich. Did that? He probably feels like he's got a pretty big vested stake in that city and that arena and that crowd. He's also close close with Kawhi Leonard. He loved him as a player. Um, it didn't work. You pay your <laughs> well, it did work. And and here's the thing: like you pay your ticket, you're allowed to boo the other guys. Right? Yeah, and and that's sort of just how sports works. Now he was asked about it afterward. Here's the complicating factor: he's asked about it afterwards. And he said, anybody who's ever watched sports knows you don't poke the bear. So then he made it about a strategy. Ah. Then he made it about strategy mm. about not wanting to get Kawhi Leonard revved up. So which was it, Pop? Was it about class or was it about revving up Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. So he's all over the map. And normally love Pop. He's got a lot of good yes. things to say. But he doesn't look good in this one, I don't think. No, like. I don't think so. At SI now. Colts Jim Irsay says infamous arrests occurred because, quote, he's a rich white billionaire. Oh, yes, that much maligned class of rich white billionaires. Oh, they have it so tough. Um, Irsay was pulled over after moving slowly, then stopping in the street. He failed field sobriety tests. He had three co- controlled substances in the car and $29,000 in cash. Uh, so on drugs, drunk. But it's the rich white guy thing that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you followed his story, um, he's a recovering addict. At, at one point, he and a woman um, had a uh, relationship that seemed to revolve entirely about their use. And there was some uh, interesting scenes there between them. The NFL suspended him, of course, at one point for six games. He has... Come back, and some of the behavior remains erratic, like 
last year firing the coach and bringing Jeff Saturday off the ESPN set and putting him in there saying, you know, I just had a feeling, a calling that you were our guy. Of course, one time great center for the franchise with Peyton Manning. Well, that didn't work out. He got into a war of words with star running back Jonathan Taylor in the preseason. Basically, Jim Mercy is out of fucks to give. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a Colts fan, I wouldn't feel all that great about the stability of the franchise, in particular because, of course, his father was a raging drunk who took the Colts out of Baltimore and moved them to Indianapolis and had a bunch of irrational, um, inebriated press conferences towards the end of his tenure there. But other than that... Other than that, it's... Other than that, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Stability. Um, now, this is not a tough turn to your last one. <laughs> because you might call him the same thing. Well, <laughs> you might. At NY Post, exploding wild pig population on western Canadian prairie threatens to invade northern U.S. states. Did you know we had an exploding population of super pigs between Alberta and Manitoba? It's a real problem. It's a crossbred pig of the wild Eurasian boar and your domestic pig, mm. which has a high fertility. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you thought bunnies? They're breeders. You thought bunnies could, oh. could work? You ain't seen nothing Put yet. Put them together and you got a super pig. Ryan Brook, professor at the University of Saskatchewan calls the feral swine, quote, the most invasive animal on the planet and an ecological train wreck. So what happened in the 1980s, farmers were encouraged to raise, breed Eurasian wild boars. Market collapsed in 2001. Many farmers, rather than continue tending to the boars with their assorted costs, just opened the gates. Jeez. Let them go. Turns out these boars were pretty good about surviving Canadian winters. <laughs> They're smart, adaptable, furry. They eat everything, including crops and wildlife. They tear up and root for bugs in crops. They can spread devastating diseases like African swine fever. And a sow can have six piglets in a litter and raise two litters a year. That means 65% or more of the wild pig population could be killed every year, and still their numbers would go up. 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 You think, oh, hunt them. Mm. Hunters have a 2 to 3% success rate, in part because this animal is so smart. And the other thing they found, when you hunt them, they don't come out during the day. They turn even more nocturnal as an adaptive strategy. Yeah. So hunting doesn't help either. What they're trying is big group traps with names like boar buster or net guns fired from helicopters. Here's the lengths we have to go to fight these boars. It's crazy. The other thing... They're looking for the public's help in identifying home terrain of these boars between Canadian provinces 
and U.S. states. Minnesota is quite alarmed with all of this. I feel like we need like an old 40s-style campaign with posters up. Canada needs mm-hmm. you with the big pointy finger the, to help. The name of the crowdsource tracking program, Squeal on Pigs. Right, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That was right there. Um, I mean, the problem here is it's really funny to hear about it, yet it's very, it is a very serious oh, it's, problem. It's, re- it's, it's a for serious sure. problem. Like, it, our crops are near and dear to livelihoods of many Canadians, so we actually do need not, to not stop. To mention our food supply. Yes, it's huge for the food supply. And yet it's also very funny. Both things are true. Smart. Anyways. Super pigs. One day, I mean, just read this story. Read this story, and you come away with the conclusion that one day pigs are going to rule the earth. Yeah, they, like Animal Farm is going to happen. We surrender to our to super exactly pig overlords. That's right, <laughs> and that's hashtags for today. Joined by Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media. 20 games into the season with the Vancouver Canucks having lost three of four, but they've got 13 wins, Patrick. We're asking another poll question today for a letter grade. You're a teacher. You are eminently qualified. In fact, your grade will be the one that we accept as official. So what says you? I'll give them a B. They're doing well. They're doing well. B? Oh, you're that teacher. My God, you're you that teacher. That curve? What, are you guys giving them A's? Shit. Nobody gets to university out of Mr. No, Johnson's this is class. old days. You can work for it. You're you guys give them A's? Kids. B plus. You guys B are being plus. those students, eh? You guys are being Whoa. that student. Those students, no, I think eh? B plus is reasonable, but straight B was, was vicious. Sorry, you think I... So there's a half a grade difference there, B plus, B. One's B- reasonable, one is astonishing. B plus is on the precipice of, of A. So yeah, it's a, okay. A explain yourself. Why so harsh? Well, I mean, they're scoring goals. They've been stopping goals, but all the other numbers are kind of 50-50. There's a bit of a split there. Like they're defending well, mm-hmm. but the overall picture is that. They're not in first place, guys. If they're in first place, that's where you get A's. Well, but look at the team in first place. So what? They're defending Stanley Cup champions who were, won their first seven, eight games, for God's sakes. Like 11 of their Patrick, first 12. Patrick is the math teacher who sees the correct answer but doesn't love the work. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Show me how you got there. Yeah. Nah. Thank Take you. Full credit. Did you use math a calculator? They're one point off the defending champs. A lot of games played. In Second relation. place. Yeah. Um, Rick Talkett you... would want me to give them this grade. He doesn't what? want anybody to be satisfied. There you okay. go. Okay. To, to continue with the uh, with the education uh, theme, like, are, are you worried about the trajectory of the student? Uh, are you worried that they are headed in the wrong direction? Are you worried who they're hanging out with at recess? <laughs> no, no, I, I think, uh, I think the work three habits points off. They get, they get it good for work habits. No, they're, they, they're, they're good. It's just the results are. There's a little wobble in the results. So, yeah, 
Uh, if I, you know, I suppose if I, you know, you have to, you have to have a, you know, this is a report card, right? Like you have to do a cutoff point. And if it had been last week, I probably do give them an A or an A minus. But there's been a wobble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's been a wobble. The, the trend is not consistent. A lot of sick days too. Uh, injuries are starting to pile up. Um, Plus twenty nine. It leads the league. Oh, all that. That's actually coming down though significantly. But it's coming still down. Leads Wait the up. They're, they're five on five. One one at home. Fourth. Five on five shooting percentage is now only fourth in the league. Only the third best save percentage. <laughs> he's a tough marker. He is. Uh, he's a tough marker. Tough. Wow. Yeah. See. yeah. Come on. Let's pursue this further. If you had a student who came to you and said, Mr. Johnson, um, I really like to discuss my grade. Would you be open to that conversation? Yes. Like, what, well, okay. I have to. I know I'm obligated to because in, in Ecology 9, I went to Mr. Raul after he'd given me a C plus, basically knocking me down for all my terrible artwork. And I said to him, I said, Mr. Raul, you said at the beginning of the year that artistic ability was not uh, like not an element of what you're marking here. And he went and looked and said, yeah, you know, I really have kind of not done you well. I literally sat there, remarked it right in front of me, and my C-plus became an A. So I'm obligated. Whoa. To I'm obligated to listen to counterpoints. I had that happen too once. C-plus to A? That's, yeah. I mean, you should have gone to law school after that. <laughs> I had that too once. I, I had a paper, uh, a poli-sci paper, that I compared the uh, uh, assassination of Archduke Ferdinand and the events leading up to World War One to a bowl of French onion soup in my yeah. in my paper. Um, it got marked as an A minus by the student, uh, by the TA uh, in in first or second year university. The teacher saw the uh, essay and, and and was like, "No, this is this is uh, you know minimizing all of it." And so gave me a C plus. And I went back and I said, "I can see it used to be an A, like the the liquid paper. I can see the outline. I was like, I know this was an A. How did it get from all the way?" And I got my mark back as well. So the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. My yeah. first year at Carleton, I needed a 80% average to go into second year journalism. That's where they weeded people out. Yeah. And I was right on the borderline and I went to a TA who was a scary TA. She introduced herself to us saying, my name is Tanya. It rhymes with lasagna. If you call me Tanya, you're getting an F. And I was like, whoa, they get away with this in university. <laughs> and I talked my way from a B plus to an A minus to get like just over the line by 0.2%. Thanks, Tanya. Well well Tanya. Yeah. Well done. In the end, okay. we're way off track. Out of these injuries and problems. We're way off track. <laughs> um, is um, PDG Online to run its course? Uh, well, I mean, I wrote about it yesterday. He, I still think he is their best four checker. Um, but there were two plays. I think when I'm trying to think now, it was what were we? Do we have? We were on a Friday night. It must have been the Seattle game last Saturday. Um. There was a there were a couple moments in that game where you could just see the the sort of the spring is not as as sort of fine tuned and that's just who he is as you really need a, from a second liner. There was a there was a, a play where he he basically couldn't read it quickly enough to to hit Miller who had rotated into a great shooting position sort of, sort of the side of the slot. PDG had ended up with a puck right on the goal line, just needed to quickly fire it up and, and and he couldn't do it. And then and then there was a moment when Miller got a great zone entry and basically put it in front of him on an angle, skating into the slot. And he he didn't have this, he just didn't have the step. I mean, that's just who, that's not who he is. He's a very 
handy, hardworking player. He'd look great on your third or fourth line. Um, I think I, I think I said this last week. I mean, if this team really does have ambitions going to the playoffs, that is the spot you need to upgrade. That that is the spot right. where you, where you find the guy that can do more, and then he becomes a third liner or fourth liner, and that makes the rest of your lineup better. Who in the bottom six is most deserving of upward mobility in this lineup? Well, well I mean, I don't know if that's the other that's the other question. I don't know if that's in there. I mean, they've obviously spotted Beauvillier in there the other night. Um, they need to find a way to get him going somehow, but I, I don't think it's in the lineup. I, I, I think the lineup as it's currently constructed is kind of optimized for what's available. Uh, it is a question of finding, I think, someone from outside who's going to be able to push everything down. All this talk of a winger depth, and here yeah. they are in need of a winger. Is that what you're telling me? Well, I mean, I, I can see. I don't. I mean, I can. Th- th- this is what I mean. Like, if this is a team that's trying to take the big step forward, they obviously need another defenseman because we can see it right now with the injury problems. Uh, there is just nothing else on the right side right now. Uh, but and they're clearly. I mean, you could tell Rick Tockett is not convinced about Akito Hirose. That's why he's playing all these righties. Yeah, so that's that is clearly priority one. But the smart move also will be to add a winger because I mean you should never stand still in building your roster anyway. Um, but but what they have is a decent collection of depth wingers. They don't have a guy that's an obvious guy that's really going to stick on your second on your second line on your on your Miller line, whatever line that is. Imagine if Bessel wasn't is going to Hoaglander. Anyways, a whole glander maybe, but again, I think it's just that it's that it's that sort of processing speed. There was a, I, I there was a play in, in training camp where Pedersen, they were trying to work a quick move, and just Hoaglander just didn't have the quick. He just didn't have the, the the quick fire muscles. Didn't fire quickly enough. Like he does a lot of things really well. I think he's perfectly suited to what he's doing right now. I don't think he's a guy well, that's going to be able to bump up. Patrick Johnson, he ate rusty nails for breakfast today. That's the, how tough he is. The correct answer, the correct answer, uh, I'll correct both of you, is Vasily Podkolzin if no. he didn't get injured. That's the, the correct answer. The correct answer is not on the farm. Well, Podkolzin <laughs> is on the recovery not, trail. No, again, if he wasn't injured, Vasily Podkolzin would be the choice. Hmm. But he needs to get back into... Uh, In the long run, how, yeah. Like that could be the solution, absolutely. But I, I don't think it's there yet. How worried are you about Patterson? Well, I, I think I, I've come to the conclusion it's a groin issue. Those don't heal easily. Um, it's especially when you're playing this many games, right? It's the kind of thing that needs rest. Uh, and and if you've never had a, a groin issue, walking along is fine. It's when you have to do anything that involves power or strides or anything like that. You feel it. It just takes away. So, um yeah, I as Jeff pointed out, what one goal in seven games? Like that's that's some of it is teams defending better, and some of that's just he he's having a hard time separating himself, and it's I think hundred percent because of his skating. Because I think there's a groin issue there. There wasn't a lot of faceoffs taken. It's not not wrist. You think it's groin? Well, I mean, there might be wrist as well, but I I just there's just something about the, the movement the, 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 that's there. I think that's I think that's part of the issue. So. um I'm not sure this is a question that would have been asked at different points in this Vancouver Canucks tenure, but how much do you think they'll miss Tyler Myers if he's going to be missing yeah. tomorrow in Seattle? Yeah. Especially yeah. in concert with, you know, for, they ended the game with 4D. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I just pulled up the the NHL roster report just to see if they had made any moves quietly and not told anybody yet. They're they're still still standing firm on what's there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Myers. Let's be let's be clear. Myers, um, I think, has settled into a better role. He's been playing less. Uh, I had a, a I've got a story coming next week. A great conversation with Adam Foot um, about his own growth as a coach. You know, I asked Rick Tockett about where Foot is now compared to when he joined him last uh, last winter. You know, where's what's his growth been? And Tockett looked at me and said a million percent um, that this was a guy who had been thinking the game a lot, but but didn't have a lot of coaching experience. The Kelowna, the time in Kelowna did not go terribly well, I think, from what I've understood. Uh, I mean, he was a guy who had coached his kids in essentially sort of elite minor hockey, but didn't have a whole lot of sort of nuts and bolts. Here's how it's going to work kind of training. Um, but a bright guy, you know, in our conversation, the number, you know, a couple of times said, there's a lot, I don't know. And that's huge for someone, you know, coming from, from sort of his background, having played at the high level he did and been the, the tough, strong, top, hard nosed defenseman. Um, I think this is a story. This may turn into be a story of a coach who's sort of figured out how to explain his ideas and help his players find a, a, a calmness. That was the word Ian, I talked to Ian Cole about. Foot. He said he's brought a calmness. He's so good at calming us down on the bench. Hmm. And he just says, reminds them of what they're trying to do and the details, the staples, all the stuff that they've been talking about. You know, you think about the chaos that we're seeing in the Oilers right now trying to defend. It reminds me of the chaos that we saw the Canucks defending last year when there was no system. There was nothing to look at. You couldn't figure out what it, they, they had no plan. There was no set plan. And, and for a player like uh, Tyler Myers, who for most of his career, I think in fairness, relied on sort of his athleticism and his ability just to be bigger and stronger. Um, you know, he's in his thirties now. He needs to play smarter. And that was not a system geared to a guy like him. I, I do think that, the way you know he's managed to set up calm his game. There's a lot less. Oh crap! There's Myers kind of moments, right? Um, it's been a lot more sort of steady play. Yeah, like that's that's the that. There's a reason why he's had a long NHL career, um, and and you know it used to be because of athleticism. He knows the game now. It's just yeah. teaching how to execute, and that's why having him not there. I mean, it's it's the absence. It's weird to say, but it's the absence of him that we will notice. If he's two things him. about Tyler Meyer. Number one, you're right. He's a smart guy. He's a really smart guy. And number two, he's a friendly guy. I've uh, encountered him a number of times uh, um, over the years here uh, downtown and in Kits. And of course, everyone recognizes him because he's so tall. <laughs> and I've seen him be uh, very uh, kind. On the coaching staff, public. though, they've been getting some good um, cutaways of the discussion between Tockett and Foot on the bench, and and um, I don't know. It just seems like the you know that that dynamic is working, and that um, you know both of these guys might be uncovering some or turning over some stones and and figuring out some stuff there on the bench because neither one of them is seasoned back there, and I think they're both learning on their second go arounds, you know, at a decent level here, uh, how to do all this. Uh, absolutely, and that, that's something again that Tockett mentioned. He 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 told me he said, "Listen, um, Adam has ideas. We'll we'll argue about stuff, but this is how this speaks to our friendship. Is that we will disagree, but we leave the office, and he goes and does what the plan is. Is you know, I'm the boss, and he's the assistant, and that's fine. And that's a very it's a that's what you know they debate stuff like that's a big positive thing to hear. 
and mm-hmm. uh, exactly and and he has a lot of trust in uh in in foot's sort of command of the bench what they're trying to here's who's going out and that's the cutaway that actually got my attention last night was foot came up to talk it and this is all on tv foot came up to talk it and sort of talk to him about something that was quizzical in his look talk it you know sort of explain what he wanted and then foot said uh yeah okay and then went and then went back into the same like it was it was very much and i'm the assistant what do you need here coach and he told him it was it was interesting to watch first of all it it happens all the time like that is sort of the essence of coaching is those behind uh behind closed door sessions where you map out the strategy with your chief lieutenants the other thing that's constructive about it particularly as the as um foot and talk have characterized it is that if things aren't going well there's a pretty fair chance that you have thought and talked through the alternative strategies yeah, so and- and so that's what makes the chemistry between a head coach and his assistants so important. Well, and that's what Foot told me was that is that he's recognized not to be afraid to make adjustments. You know, if something's not working, let's make a tweak. He did, he he said some coaches might be worried that the players will think, oh, well, this guy's showing weakness or something. But he goes, we got to fix the problem. Um, and that's been a big learning point for him. And, you know, he talks obviously a lot. He is so blown away by the the depth of knowledge of how coaching works that he's learning from Talkit. Mm. That, that, you know, Talkit has a, you know, has taken an interesting course through his coaching career, but you, you know, coached in Arizona, but was an assistant in, uh, to Mike Sullivan. I mean, talk about a guy that would be a great guy to learn from uh, in Pittsburgh and, and had his sort of weird, obviously, was with Gretz early on um, and then had a, 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 pro- a clearly not ready for it. Uh, stint in Tampa. Although it's interesting, if you go back and look some of the numbers, some of the underlying stuff, like he still had some interesting things. Like that, that was a decent. He 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 got his team playing in a decent way. He just I think was not ready to be the head coach. Um, it, the 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 dialogue is there. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And the preparation level and and that was talk. It said he said you know Adam now knows how to come. He has stuff. He's you know how to run a meeting, I think was sort of something that, that they needed to work on. And, and, and he basically said he comes with all this stuff. Now it's, he didn't have that. He didn't know how to, now he knows, you know, and, and there's the, the preparation level from everybody clearly, and it is higher and you can hear it from the players, the, 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 the dynamic that's there and, and, and the, the conversation, the back and forth that they've all been talking about it. it I mean, it certainly sounds like it's effective. You know, obviously mm. they, now the test is here. They've got to kind of write their course a little bit higher. Can they take this higher? Yeah. Let's, let's go higher. Let's go to management. Uh, do they see these injuries and uh, fast track any deal that they've been working on? I know Calgary has said they're not going to be pushed to do this sooner rather than later, but do you, yeah. do you think they just have to find something NHL caliber help rather than looking to the farm? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the Susie injury did get them moving thinking in a story, and now they're here, right? Like they're going to, you know, if they do lose one, one guy for any amount of time. I assume it's going to be Christian Milan and maybe matter when that comes up. Um, but those are obviously not long-term fixes that, that, that if you try again, if you are serious about, about the playoffs, you got to start pushing your chips in. you start adding guys, you get more than you really need right now because you're going to need it all in the end. Um, yeah, I, I think this is, and it, like you said, they're one point off Vegas and they're in the midst of a stumble, right? Like 
like three, they're stumbling three points. In, oh, sorry, three points. Yeah. yeah, they're in with yeah. They're, anyway, but they're in the, they're in that as I said was it last week. You, you know, they're in that range. They've got to start thinking about like is this a division we can somehow win? And if, they, if that is, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, now is the time. Whether you can get ahead of it and make it all happen is a different question. But certainly, yes, I'm sure they are taking this as a as a motivational element. 28 years ago today, the Vancouver Canucks acquired NHL character Essa Tikkanen. <laughs> You've got a story there. Well, I mean, first of all, yeah, Essa Tikkanen type would be great for this team. You know, a little more, a little more mojo, a little more swagger. No, so I've been told this story a couple of times by Corey Hirsch. He assures me it is absolutely accurate. Uh, going into this night 28 years ago, the Canucks had lost six of seven. They pick up Essa Tikkanen. Bit of a dart throw because he had some knee issues and... It was a personality anyway. As Corey says it, they're, uh, they'd lost three games in a row. Rick Lee had was making them rewatch all three games so that they could see just how mediocre they'd been. It's a big video and, session. At, <laughs> what a video session. At some point in this video session, the door bursts open, and there is Essatikin standing there with a stack of pizzas and announces, don't worry, boys, Moses is here. <laughs> that's the first impression with the that's team. His first, that's you're like, all right. And he had a, you know, Moses. I think he didn't, he didn't play right away. He had that knee issue. They cleaned up his knee. I think, you know, and certainly I remember the time, the reporting at the time was very upbeat and positive about, you know, from him being, oh, the Canucks saved my career. And he was a point per game, you know, he played 37 games or something over the course of the season. He was a point per game player. His last sort of great season, if you want to call that great, was in Vancouver. And he had, you know, sort of fell away the next year. And, and if I recall, he did not lead them to the promised land. No, no, I don't, he did I don't, not. Uh, he did not. But it started on such a high note. They so, did. Yeah. So a high note addition. The Canucks would be wise to give uh, such a part of the Red Sea and, and get mm-hmm. such a quality mm-hmm. addition. And then hopefully that person does lead them to the promised land. It's a pretty good story, Patrick. I give it good a capper. Uh, hey, good way to finish. Well, we started contentiously. Uh, that story, I give it a B plus. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe a B. Wow. Hard marker. To care some price from Wall Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Some baseball here where the Seattle Mariners are at it again. They continue to uh, reshape their club for 2024. Tra- trading third baseman Ehu Inio Suarez. Seven letters in the guy's name, first name, five syllables. That's got to be a record Mm. proportionally. They trade him to the Arizona Diamondbacks for a backup catcher and a uh, upside reliever, Carlos Vargas, who has uh, touched 100 miles per hour with his fastball, made his major league debut last season. So a chance to have a high leverage reliever here. Inquired a... Infielder last week, Luis Urias, who's uh, one point was a decent prospect. But some Mariners fans are wondering, uh, of course, in light of Cal Raleigh, talking about how ownership has to spend more if they're going to be a contender. This was a starting third baseman making $11 million, which is not outrageous in baseball for a starting third baseman. Now, he did lead the American League in strikeouts the last two years, but 22 home runs, 96 RBI, a 714 
OPS, and there's also a team option on him for 2025. So, okay, you've got another good bullpen arm, but you're out there now looking for a starting third baseman or hoping somebody steps up from within your organization. Then there's the buzz around Bo Bichette. Have you heard this? No. So there have been a variety of reports that the Chicago Cubs are interested in Bo Bichette. John Morosi has mentioned this. Bichette would play third base for the Cubs. They feel good about their shortstops. He signed through 2025, and everybody recognizes it would be a big return. It would also dramatically remake the Blue Jays and their forecast here. Um, Cubs actually have a very interesting Canadian outfield prospect in Owen Cassie, but boy, the Blue Jays would need them a shortstop in return if uh, if Bo Bichette is going anywhere. Trade no. Vlad, don't trade Bo. Well, and, I'm, and, and I'll give Bichette credit. He has turned into a better shortstop. You remember a couple of years ago we were talking about, oh, he may have to move to second base. Thought perhaps they were just placating his ego of playing shortstop, you know, the most defensive, demanding defensive position, captain of the infield, all that jazz. So we haven't yet um, heard from the Blue Jays in any kind of meaningful way in the offseason. We'll, we'll see where that goes. And then uh, Gibby. Gibby gone. Gibby back. John Gibbons, the two-time manager of the Blue Jays and noted podcaster, travel companion to John Shannon. Mm-hmm. If you'll remember, they uh, did a hit with us on the rental car from Edmonton. He's uh, the bench coach of the New York Mets, where he has some history going back to his playing days. I would say that baseball is better with Gibby in it, but it has to be in a talking role. So Yeah, he's not front-facing. Yeah, bench coaches don't typically no. get a lot of... Media shot. Although that may change because it's Gibby, and let's face it, there are different rules for Gibby. Not not impressed. It was incredible how much of a rock star he was with Blue Jays fans in Seattle. Like, of all the great players that they had on some of those teams, he was as popular as any of them. Oh, so <laughs> unrefined on the on the mic. Like it was just it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Poll question results from yesterday. Would you lay money that a Canuck wins the Art Ross Trophy? Yes or no? What won the poll? Yes. No. What? No. In a big way. 73%. Really? I thought optimism would win the day. AB Collar says 97 still plays in this league. Yeah, well, he still plays in this league. He just doesn't play as well as he used to. I think Edmonton Oilers fans would say, does he, though? Does he? Dylan says, Canucks still have Canuck luck, so it's a no. Brett, I make it a habit never to bet on my team or hockey in general due to my reason being clouded by my fan bias. Mm-hmm. But there's a good chance. It's a very honest self-evaluation there, Brett. And then Canuck says, I've been paying attention for the last 40 years plus. I would not lay my money that the Canucks win anything. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program and beyond... Uh, Frank Corrado was talking about a Sidney Crosby game in Edmonton when we asked, did you know, Sid rise his level when facing a star player on mm-hmm. the other side or in, you know, uh, big games. 
October 18th in Edmonton is the game he was referencing. Sydney had gone six games without a goal, but they got to Edmonton and 97 was to cross the way. All of a sudden. And Sydney scored two goals in a 6-5 win. Yeah. And we have a white art error to account for, Grady? Yeah, he mentioned yesterday when Myers fell on Pedersen, he said it was against Nashville. It was, in fact, in Tampa. Right. Mm. And uh, I've made this mistake on a rink wide recently, and I shouldn't have. I know better. Quarter pole does not refer to the first quarter of a race in horse racing. It refers to the final quarter of the race. So we're not at the quarter pole. Much like champing at the bit and chomping at the bit, um, I think the other has become so used mm-hmm. that... Um, kind of like the word literally. Yeah. Which is now used for exactly the opposite yes. of its intended definition. Yes, exactly. All right. That way, bets of the day. Jets in Miami tomorrow with a new quarterback, some lad named Boyle. And they just can't score goals.com or touchdowns, as the case may be. I'm going to lay nine and a half with the fish at home on your Betway bet of the day. Mine is uh, down with the I-5 rivalry, Kraken and Canucks. And it just doesn't feel like there's as many goals out there for Vancouver. So I'm taking the under at five and a half to 90 to hit the under for the Canucks and Kraken. On his Betway bet of the day, must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us, Rinkwide and Canucks Conversation, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social, that's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.